702 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Take a tune. I'm liking this album. I think I'm going to use this one today. It's got some, like, Everlast vibes. Are we, uh... Are we in mourning after last night's loss? Like we're both wearing all black again. Like black, black hoodies, black hats. It's like check it out. It's like black shirt. The lazy, lazy sports yeah, fans. Um, mourning after a Ruff's loss. Ruff's got the mid two thousands American Apparel emo scene hoodie on, and I'm actually kind of jealous of it because I need a new hoodie like that. This is a Travis Matthew. Um, it's a golf hoodie. Oh really? Yeah. This hoodie costs more than your life. Emo <laughs> golf. <laughs> Ah, Halford and Bruff of the Morning, Hour 2. It's brought to you by... Six dollar uh, hoodie. Shut up. I have to read about the beer sponsor. Uh, primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. That's quite a flex, like bragging about your mid-price Travis Matthews hoodie. It costs more than hoodie life. costs more than your life. Yeah, which says more about the value of your life than the value yeah. of hoodie. That's of an insult to person. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. We're not in mourning. Yes, the Canucks lost, but it was 4-3 in overtime. Solitary points. It's twelve and twelve since the All Star break, and that's well, without... we are morning. It's seven four a.m. It's true. Very well oh played. My. Very well played. Different Andy. morning. Very well played. Um, are, you, are you having a, a child? Are you two working on your dad jokes there? Yeah. Uh, okay. Someone just asked Andy. Uh, hey guys, where's the hour one podcast? Get to work, eh, dog. <laughs> hour one just ended. Seven oh four. Stop making dad I'm jokes. Doing it right now. <laughs> Less dad Jesus. joke, more podcast. Goodness. Um, so we will open the Dunbar Lumber Tech Line, and it's always open, but we'll actually read some of these, uh, yeah. this segment. So if you've got any questions or comments, text into the Dunbar Lumber Text Line 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. We can go back to uh, last night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I thought it was a pretty evenly matched game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and... Rip the Canucks too much for losing that game. Um, yes, there was some sloppiness. Yes, Elias Lindholm <laughs> and his line mates definitely did not show up. Uh, Petey was okay in the first part of the game and not okay in the second part of the game. And JT Miller was incredible. And he's been, at least lately, the team's MVP overall. I think Quinn Hughes is still the team's MVP, uh, but JT Miller had an incredible performance last night watching him matched up against Sidney Crosby, who was, you know, whether you want to say equally incredible, more incredible, slightly less incredible, I don't know. It, it, was, just, it was just, it was really fun to watch those two go at it. JT um, Miller now fifth in the National Hockey League in yeah. points. I mean, he, he just, he's, he's playing so well, and it was kind of a shame to waste that effort. Last night, um, Austin and Langley has a question, and he says, the more that you see that Petey needs a more effective winger, are you guys more open to moving a blue-chip prospect for a guy with term? Hmm. Well, this opens up a whole can of worms, Austin Langley, um, because I think the Canucks should should 
probably be open to that anyway, at least open to the idea of it, as long as it's a guy with term. Um, yeah. Let's face it, they've got two blue chip prospects, right? We're talking about Lecker or Mackey or Tom Willander. Both of these guys are a couple of years away. right? I know Lecker Mackey's playing really well right now, but he's still got to get over to North America, get acclimatized to the North American game, learn all the details of the North American game. He's still a really young guy. He just played in the World Juniors. I'm not expecting him to make an impact with the Canucks next season. Prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Ender's probably going back to college next season. If not, he's going to the AHL. So, And I would expect him to be in college next season. So, at any rate, um, they don't know if Petey's going to be on the team next year, which does complicate things, which brings us back to you know what we talked about yesterday and everyone freaked out on mm-hmm. social media because we were daring to talk about it. But this is why we're kind of like, well, and I'm not going to belabor this point. Halford told me, don't belabor the point. But like, that. this is, yeah, you did. I didn't. Don't lie to me. I didn't. You said, don't belabor. And I said, well, it's kind of a big deal. Like, this, whether or not you got PD on the team next year does affect potentially some of the decisions you make at the trade deadline. Now, Elliot Freeman has reported that they are not all that interested in giving up a whole lot more to get another rental. Like they don't want to do another Lindholm deal. Right. So if you're thinking about a guy like Jake Gensel, if they bring in a guy like Gensel, they want to make sure that they can re-sign Jake Gensel and re-signing Jake Gensel brings a whole other conversation into it because he's going to need a lot of money and probably some term. And then I don't you're talking like that ab- at all. Yeah, way. you're talking like about yeah, all. you're talking about a guy who's um, Jake Gensel, more like Jake Rental. Okay, yeah, that's what that should be, Rental. Um, but then you know you, you bring in Jake Gensel and then PD leaves and then you're all of a sudden like, oh wait a minute, okay, what are we now? What are we as a team? Um, but I do think that something needs to be done because while I really like Hoaglander and PD together. I really do. Okay. Um, I didn't like them on the tying goal, but I, I do like that potential. And Hoaglander keeps raising his game, in my opinion. 18 um, even strength goals yeah, this year. Yeah, I mean. All 18 of his goals. Yeah, I've, I've almost changed my opinion on, on Hoaglander. Earlier in the season, I was actually not even that long ago, I was like, yeah, I'd be okay if they used Hoaglander in a trade for a really good rental, like a Jake Gensel. I'd, I'd be okay with that. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore if I would be willing to do that because I've seen his potential to play beyond the third and the fourth line. I've seen his potential to play up in the top six. And I thought he was, you know, he he certainly had his moments last night. Um, But Mikheyev is a problem. And, you know, Mikheyev has had bad luck. He comes to the Canucks, almost immediately tears his ACL. He tries to play on it, and he does fine. But there was something off all last season when we didn't – only Frank Saravelli knew for sure that it was mm. a torn ACL, and he, and he played it. on it, and they eventually shut him down because the Canucks season was lost. And, you know, I was watching him last night, and I'm like, he doesn't even look, like, above average fast. You know, like, he, he just looks like another player out there. And if McKayev doesn't have wheels – like, yeah, maybe he's got a little bit of defensive acumen, um, but he doesn't have hands. He's not a finisher. He doesn't score goals. That was the knock on him in Toronto. 
But everyone was like, yeah, but he's really fast and he's mm-hmm. pretty solid defensively. If he doesn't have his speed and hopefully he gets back next season when his ACL is fully um, fully healed and all the rehab is done, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they say it takes 18 months. Well, yeah, it's yeah. only been a year. You know, but, it, but right now, right now, okay. I don't think you can have Mikheyev out there playing with Pedersen. I he just he's not he's not bringing you're like what do you do on this line what do you do well here's what I'm thinking okay let's say we're gonna operate on the pretense that everyone's healthy first off okay this is like game one of the playoffs you got your dream lineup maybe it doesn't happen but whatever you've automatically put the Bluger Garland Joshua line back together that is like a that's a staple for me like don't mess with that deploy it however you want, but you keep that group together. Hoaglander and Pedersen stick together as a duo. Uh, the winger to be discussed in a moment here. Suter, Miller, Besser, you're keeping that together, I would say. That's that's kind of a no-brainer. They look good. They play well yeah. together. Keep that together. Mm-hmm. Now you've got an issue. You've got Lindholm as a center. I'm not saying what center, but you've got Lindholm as a center. Who are you going to play with? Are you going to move Mikheyev down there where it makes more sense for Mikheyev to play in a bottom six role? But one, are Lindholm and Mikheyev going to be simpatico? Are they going to work together? And two, who's going to be their other winger? With Archdeep Baines. Love the story. Think he's going to be great. Let's all remember that less than two years ago, in 2022, he was playing junior hockey in Red Deer, and he has 100 games of professional experience. It might be a lot to ask him to jump into the NHL. And remember, we're not just talking about any team in the National Hockey League. We're talking about the number one team in the NHL with Stanley Cup aspirations. That's a lot for a rookie who's played four games. And I think don't forget that we often see with these young players that come up to the NHL, they play on adrenaline for the first few games, mm-hmm. and you're like, wow. That guy looks really good, and then the adrenaline wears off, and then it's just hard, right? It's And oftentimes they need to go back to the AHL. Put it this way. I'm not counting on Baines to be on the playoff roster. Yeah, opening night, night one, opening, playoff, third-line winger. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I'm not counting on that, and, and in fact, he probably shouldn't be, and I, I would imagine that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin are like, yeah, we. I, I don't know if we can do that. However, he is in a mix. Because right now, based on how I've laid it out, you've got gaps where you need a winger to play with Pedersen and Hoaglander. And again, in theory, another winger to play with, let's just say Lindholm and Micaiah for argument's sake. You basically need two wingers to fill in, right? How many lines are you putting out there? Four. Right. <laughs> but you've got, again, let's work when through jo- it. When jo- okay, so you've Joshua, got- Bluger, Garland, set. One uh, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think Lindholm. How would you not play them together? It, because that was their it, best line. You could. I'd like to. You see, named I'd, it. I'd like to see Lindholm with Bluger and Garland, or sorry, Lindholm with uh, Garland and Joshua. I At the like risk to of see that, but but don't well, where are you going to put Lindholm then? You're going four to, C's? Can you yeah, end up being the four even, C in the playoffs? I don't th- I don't uh, adhere to labels so much. Yeah. So just I was center. actually thinking that. I was like, my God, is he gonna end up being the four C? I don't you don't have to call him that. You could just be like, you're one of our four C's. 
Yeah, you're yeah, a center. He, you're very important. He to looks us. at the lineup, though. It's like saying you're not on the 13th floor and it's actually the 14th floor. We all know what floor it is. <laughs> no, but you don't. Then he looks at the lineup. He's like, wait a second. Yeah, I mean, what? Like, are you? So I'm you're going to sure tell me? Floor. Like, I get what you're saying, but are you going to tell me like just because it has to be like you? I find it crazy, mm-hmm. crazy that the best line all year. I know the I best know. line all year wouldn't be together night one of the playoffs. Yeah. Bluger's turnover last night cost him. Like, I, again, we're talking about this turnover a lot. It's very punitive, this turnover. Anyway, this does bring us back to you got to fill some gaps on the wings. The Phil Kessel thing. Dollywell had a report yesterday that uh, it seems as though all signs are pointing towards the conclusion that both the Phil Kessel camp and the Vancouver Canucks camp wanted, which is Kessel gets an NHL contract. The machinations of this are he is going to need to sign a deal by March 8th, right? Because if you're not a, if you're not on an NHL contract, which means you're on an NHL roster, by the deadline, you can't participate in the playoffs. You can go back to the American League after March 8th for a conditioning stint or otherwise, but you need to have an NHL contract by then. Mm. So now you're talking about a mix of depth forwards, which has Lafferty, DiGiuseppe, Baines, Kessel, to fill in the spots. My initial knee-jerk reaction to that would be you need someone better, which is why I think that yeah. they could go out and add again ahead of the March 8th deadline. But I think it all brings it back to Austin and Langley's question. Would you do a blue-chip prospect for a younger player who's in the NHL right now? You know, would you would you do that? Uh, no. And I don't know another team that that like would do that anyway. Like, I, why I, would they give away their young player for an even younger player? Like maybe if you can see someone on a team like Pittsburgh. I, to me, this I, screams. I know, to me, this know? screams rental. This situation screams rental. But according to Elliot Freeman, they don't want to do another rental. They don't want to add another player that I know. can potentially walk away. Look at all the free agents they've already got to deal with. I know. And look at the fact that their prospect system is improved. I just wonder if their hand gets forced. I I don't know. It might. A few people have suggested uh bringing up Pod Colson for a look. I'd have time for that. I'd like to I'd lo- I'd love to see what Pod Colson looks like. I read an article the other day and apparently he's making progress down there. I want to see it. I I don't know if I want to like bet on it. Like there aren't many games before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. Um, I also want to know when Dakota Joshua is back. Yeah, we need him. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that uh, on February 28th of the year of our Lord 2024, we'd be saying that we really need Dakota Joshua back in the lineup. But he's like the rug. Remember, we called him the rug line. So for some reason, it works. I don't know who tied the whole thing together. But right now, I'm beginning to think that Dakota Joshua was the rug. He tied the whole room together. I mean, I, look at last night. Mm-hmm. Poor Garland was out there doing all the Connor Garland stuff that made him so effective this year. He's trying his best, but he didn't just, have his buddies with him. Yeah, and he's like, I'm so upset that I'm going to fall down. Yeah, and then smashed his stick. He was so upset. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm saying this kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm also not. Like, yeah, that I, that line was such a revelation, and more importantly, so awesome to watch. And that's important for me as a viewer and someone that likes to be entertained. Like, they weren't just effective statistically underlying statistically they passed the eye test and the mm-hmm. smell test on a nightly basis talk it was like start the game with these guys they got tons of energy the throw test? them out sorry what's the smell test it's like an eye test but with your nose yeah but what, yeah. 
just go up and like sniff the guys and see how they smell. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it smells good, hygiene. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that Old Spice? No, it's Axe. Yeah. No, like it's it's a good thing that they had going. So um, a few people have texted in about the Canucks going after a guy like Alex Tuck in Buffalo, and my response has always been like, why would Buffalo give up Alex Tuck? Yeah, I don't see that. He so. The Sabres, by all accounts, I, I I don't know. Maybe there's something to this. I, I don't know. Has his name been in trade rumors? But from what we've heard, what the Sabres want to do is completely the opposite of trading away their 27-year-old winger who's got two more years left at a very reasonable contract. You know what the Sabres want to do? Uh, make the playoffs for the first time since 2011. So what we're hearing more about a team like the Buffalo Sabres is they will be willing to go out and trade some of their prospects because they keep piling them up. And they're like, <laughs> let's use some of these prospects to mm-hmm. you know make the team better now because, you know, 13 years is probably enough as far as missing time. the playoffs. So we need to start, you know, you know, getting some better NHLers to surround our, our players with. So for me, targeting a player like Alex Tuck, you call up the Buffalo Sabres, you're like, hey, is Alex Tuck available? And they're like, what are you crazy? Like, we haven't made the playoffs in 13 years. And we've got guys like Tate Thompson signed long term. And we've got guys like Rasmus Dahlin signed long-term like we need to you know start winning we're not gonna we're not gonna be selling guys off with two years left to term so mm-hmm. i don't maybe i'm completely missing something i don't know it's uh, just if, been if it, in the it's been in the rumor mill so why? but why i don't understand why it's been in the rumor mill just because the sabers have been sabering yeah well casey middlestat's in the in the rumor mill uh, and then all of their ufas right. or pending ufas gergensen's and Ocpozo and johnson it's just sort of one of those things. You know what it's like. I mean, the Canucks have missed the playoffs so many years where you get closer to the deadline. It's like, could this guy also be dangled in trade talks? Sure. So also, players don't like losing. So yeah. some of them might want on their own volition to leave Buffalo. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's yep. what I was thinking. Maybe yep. he's It's unhappy. all those things. But there's a big piece. It's like, I don't from- like the way you've handled my my neck injury. You're like, you have a neck injury? Like, I do tomorrow if I don't get traded. <laughs> Yeah, so the reason, anyway, the reason Tuck in particular is, one, uh, he's super affordable. Mm-hmm. So that would be part of the reason why Buffalo would want to keep him. But he also, may, he's movable. He's 4.75 for two more seasons. And, you know, I think that anything is on the table for a team that has missed the playoffs 12 years in a row. You know, like, who's untouchable at that stage of the game? You'll say certain guys are, but the reality is, is that it's hard to say anyone's untouchable when you're not that great. Now, on the subject of um, playoff droughts, Jason, it sure seems as though that the NHL's second longest playoff drought uh, is going to be snapped. I don't know if you watched the Detroit Red Wings absolutely pummel the Washington Capitals. They're scoring Capitals. a lot of goals, huh? 8-3 over the Washington Capitals last night. Now, again, the only reason I bring this up, Detroit has won six games in a row. We're pretty familiar with Detroit, given their sort of simmering feud with the Vancouver Canucks this year. <laughs> They're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they are in a very comfortable position right now. I believe they're 11 points clear mm-hmm. of the non-playoff teams in the East, and they are going to snap the NHL's second-longest playoff drought because they haven't been in seven years. The only team that hasn't been there longer is the aforementioned Buffalo Sabres with 12. So that's going to be pretty interesting as well. I got to admit, even though um, I found them wildly annoying 
and quite hateable in their two games against the yeah. Vancouver Canucks recently. It's a pretty decent team. I it's it's hard to argue with the talent that they have. They score a lot of goals. They score a they lot got of goals. one of the best offenses in the NHL. And like I don't know who's been paying attention to Patrick Kane over the last few weeks, but he's been basically a point of game guy. Mm-hmm. And to come back from hip resurfacing, he's like the key is I'm not going to play any defense, zero especially defense. in overtime. The goal he scored against <laughs> Chicago, awesome. he was just hanging out at center ice and he's like, yeah. "Get me the puck cuz I'm going to go in on it a It was almost like a good gamble though. He doesn't you know, get, like because Patrick he, Kane, right? No, no, no. But but where he was on the ice, it was a fine. He wasn't, gonna, but he wasn't going to be able to get back. <laughs> Nor was he interested in doing. He's it. He's like, you right? know what? They don't want me playing defense anyway. I'm just <laughs> no, no, no. But like, he was so far away from it. He was like, okay, guys, I know you guys are outnumbered, but do your best. Yeah, He's and, like, and, and try and come up with a this. loose puck, and then just fling it up the ice. I'm wide open. That was actually a pretty cool moment. Oh, it was, you know, it was great, but it, someone did the overhead shot of just how badly he was cheating to get the breakaway, and they're like, well, you could, I mean, he won the game. And... It was every cherry picker's dream, right? Yeah, you that's get that exactly puck on your it. stick. Yeah, and he finished. Yeah, 14 right? hours to make your choice, what you want to yeah. do on the breakaway. I didn't love him yelling out, showtime, I'm showtime, after he scored, but whatever, he was feeling it, so. Um, so the article, by the way, in case you're interested, on Pod Colson was written by... Daniel G, I think. G. Elite Prospects. Yeah, Elite Prospects mm. guy. And it was uh, published a at, at, yeah. uh, at Daily Hive uh, about a day ago. Um, and here's his Twitter preview. Vasily Podkolzin looked lost last season in NHL action. A reset a la Nils Hoaglander was needed. Um, so Daniel... Uh, went through his AHL tape this season okay. and says he found a resurgent player, one who was operating on instinct instead of uncertainty. So, well, look, I, I'll I'll jump in. If you're going to give Baines the uh, reward for meeting all the challenges you put in front of him and him not only thriving but succeeding, the same logic should apply to anyone that's down in Abbotsford, especially at this stage of the game. Because I know that people are like, ah, you know, I had a chance to get two points last night. You do have the luxury of trying some things right now. Mm-hmm. You do. Rick Tockett has the luxury of coming yeah. up with these. I really want them to win the conference. Oh, I want them to win everything. Yeah. Like, like all I, the individual I don't want awards, to, all the team awards. I, I know they are experimenting right now. We, yeah. You can only see the power play units they had last night. That was Yeah, that's very experimental, what they were doing yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they scored a power play goal. I really was hoping that JT Miller, after he scored or set up Brock Besser, would you know how they go by the bench? Yep. And like, if he like winked at Petey, he's like, "These are the units now. Yeah, they're staying like this." Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, "You weren't out there for that one, were you?" <laughs> they asked talking about the post game, by the way. Like, what do you think of the new units? And his exact words were, "Some were good, some were bad." I was like, "All right, the experiment might not last." Okay, we're up against it for time. When we come back, we're gonna go to Winnipeg. Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, was there, although not for any particular purpose, just because he wanted to go to Winnipeg in February. Uh, We're going to talk to Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press about everything that's going on in Winnipeg. The real question now is, is there an actual problem with attendance and with fan support, or is this much ado about nothing? We're going to talk to Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. That's it! Back to Winnipeg! The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I believe that ownership has made extraordinary commitments uh, to the Jets, to this arena, to the downtown area, involving hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm not sure why people are now speculating that somehow they're not going to be here. 7.32 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Mike McIntyre uh, from the Winnipeg Free Press is going to join us in just a second here. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. I am actually perplexed at the Winnipeg situation right now because I can't tell if there's a real issue at hand. Why are people speculating about this? Well, it's because the Jets came out and said they were worried, and I don't know if you knew this, Gary, because it was like while you were commissioner, the Jets once left. So that leads me to believe that there could be a problem. (laughs) They got some people telling me that there's a problem. I got other people telling me that there's not a problem. What is going on here? I thought, who better to reach out to than Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press? He joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Mike. How are you? Morning, gentlemen. Very good. Thank you. So can you answer this question for me? Is there a legitimate issue at hand here, or is it, as Gary Bettman suggested yesterday, much ado about nothing? No, there is a legitimate issue. There's no question about it. And, uh, I mean, it was... It was the commissioner certainly putting on a, a brave face, I guess, and trying to downplay, I guess, the seriousness. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is the owner of the Jets, the chairman, Mark Chipman, um, last week in an interview with The Athletic, Chris Johnson, he came out and said that there's a, there's a problem, that uh, the season ticket base has declined rapidly and alarmingly. And if they don't build it back up... Um, he flat out said this can't work in the long term. Now, Mark Chipman walked those comments back, I'd say, a little bit yesterday. He, uh, he spoke with my colleague, Ken Weeb of the, of the Free Press. Um, Mark Chipman doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, uh, for the record, so it's rare to get him. Um, but he did, uh, I guess, clarify some comments yesterday. And, you know, he walked them back a little bit and saying, well, it's not so much that we would pull the plug and, and leave. Uh, we want to be competitive. We want to spend to the salary cap. And, you know, we need to get our season ticket base up to a much healthier number so we can remain competitive. So is this just maybe some damage control? You know, maybe. Um, but I think the message here at the end of the day is we, we all see it. The, the Jets attendance has taken a sharp decline. This is a team that sold out the building for the first decade after the NHL return. And Gary Bettman himself said when the NHL returned in 2011, if this is going to work, this building needs to be full. Well, there's an average of, of nearly 2,000 empty seats every game this year. Granted, attendance has ticked up since Christmas. Um, they're closer to only about 900 empty seats on average in their dozen games since Christmas. But they only have 9,500 season ticket holders, and this is the smallest market in the league. They once had over 13,000, and Mark Chipman says, we got to get it back up to 13,000. There's a real push on now 
um, a marketing campaign. They're reaching out to a lot of corporate entities. And that's the big thing, guys. The Jets only have 15% of all their season tickets are held by, by companies and corporations. That is the lowest by a country mile in the league. That puts a lot of pressure on regular folks to support the team. And as you all know, post-pandemic, you know, cost of living has gone up. Um, you know, the economy's taken a hit. And the regular Joe and Jane public, uh, it's not as easy for them to support the team. They need a lot more corporate support. And I think that's a big part of why Gary Bettman and Mark Chipman uh, are saying what they're saying. And, and they're, they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes to try and increase that. Did the Jets get a little complacent with their customer service? Oh, they sure did. Um, they absolutely did. And, you know, you can see in hindsight, I guess, maybe why that happened. This this is a team that the, the tickets sold themselves. Like They didn't have to do much, much of any work. If you recall back in 2011, like, I think it was a seven minutes it took for all of the season tickets to be sold out. And not only that, there was a waiting list of like 8,000 people, which they capped. They probably could have kept going if they wanted to. Uh, They thought, well, why would we keep going? We're never going to need that many. Well, in hindsight, that was a mistake. Um, And, you know, that that waiting list has disappeared. Uh, They've eaten through it. And Mark Chipman, I think the, the money quote last week in his interview with The Athletic was he said, you know what, we... We didn't need to be a sales organization. Um, we were a service organization, right. and we probably weren't very good at that. And I think there was a lot of, you know, maybe taking customers for granted. And so there is a lot of uh, damage control that I think needs to be done. And, and that's being done. Now, here's a quick example, guys. Mark Chipman on Monday reached out to a former season ticket holder because he, he's working the phones himself trying to touch base with some of these people <laughs> find out what went wrong he he asked this season ticket holder what would it take to get you to come back and apparently the the former ticket holder said um and i don't know if the, the person was joking said bring nikolai ehlers to buy to my house this guy has like a huge front yard uh hockey rink that he's built so Mark Shipman said, "Well, I can't, I can't bring you Nikolai Ehlers, but how about Mark Shifley and Josh Morrissey?" <laughs> and I'm not kidding; they all showed up to the guy's house and spent a little bit of time, literally around a fire, having a fireside chat. Um, you know, that is some serious community outreach, and I think that just shows the level of um, uh, of you know, what, what they feel they need to do now in the community to try and repair what was probably a, a bit of a fractured relationship. We're speaking to Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Mike, how surprising is it that this sharp decline in season ticket holders and attendance happens while the Winnipeg Jets are 37-15-5 with 79 points, the first-place team in the Central Division, Division, winning as many games as they are and being as successful as they are? Yeah, and I think that's why this is so alarming right now. I mean, if they were, if if the record was reversed, right? If they were fifteen thirty-seven and five, um, you know, you could probably explain away a lot of it. Um, you know, and and so they're averaging just over thirteen thousand this year with a season ticket base of ninety-five hundred. That that still means you know 
almost 4,000 walk-ups a game are buying tickets. And as I said, since Christmas and, and really since this team took off with a, uh, you know, a very strong November and December uh, to climb the standings, you know, we're seeing crowds and they, they've had four sellouts in the last uh, dozen or so games. Um, they've regularly now have crowds well into the 14,000. So, you know, the walk-up is a lot stronger. The problem is that that base just isn't there. Um, and that's why I think they're using the opportunity now to really push. It's, it's a lot easier to try and, and jump on some of the momentum that clearly they have on the ice in terms of how they're playing to try and shore up that foundation so that when things inevitably aren't so rosy around here, um, and maybe they're not winning quite as much, uh, they would at least have a, a much stronger foundation in terms of season tickets. So, you know, the playoff push, obviously, and, and right now they're, they've got an initiative where folks who put a deposit on season tickets for next season get priority for playoff tickets this year. That's new. And I think that's an example of just trying to capitalize on the momentum because, as you say, guys, the Jets – they couldn't script it much better in terms of what's happening on the ice. Off the ice, it's a bit of a different story. How much do the realities of the Winnipeg market affect the job that their general manager has to do? Well, I think that's certainly a, a, um, a, an obstacle that Kevin Shevoldayev has, and, and in some ways it makes what he's been able to do you know, maybe even more impressive. Um, you know, Winnipeg for sure gets a bad rep and, you know, you see it in every time there's a player pulled on, you know, what's the, what's the least desirable NHL city? What's the city that has the most uh, uh, no trade clauses included. Uh, And so, you know, clearly when it comes to, to free agency and the jets have never been a, a major player when it comes to free agency, um, there is an obstacle there. I think where the jets, bread and butter is and you know where they've really impressed is in drafting developing and then most importantly I think in retaining and you see it in a number of homegrown stars from Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley who just signed simultaneous seven-year extensions that mm-hmm. basically will make them Jets for life you know you can go down the list Josh Morrissey Kyle Connor Nikolai Ehlers Adam Lowry these are all drafted and developed players who once, you know, they got to Winnipeg and they saw what this community is about. Um, they decided this is where they want to stay. And, and, you know, I think even going back to Jets 1.0, um, where Winnipeg probably got, you know, a bit of a bad rep in some quarters. I think we often saw that where once the players are here, yes, the winters are cold. Um, yes, it's the smallest market in the league, but, you know, I think for those of us born and raised here and who have spent our life, there's a charm about Winnipeg. And I think players who who come here, they tend to see that. And so, you know, that's the that's the strength of the Jets, certainly is is who they've been able to draft and the fact they've been able to hold on to the majority of those stars that they've developed, uh, because that's really the core of uh, of their team now. Um, one final question, Mike. Um how how do you think the people in Quebec City that desperately want an NHL team uh, are feeling when they see stories about 
this like Winnipeg. It it can't make them overly hopeful that one day the Nordiques will be back. No, I, I wouldn't think it helps the cause uh, necessarily. Um, you know, because Quebec obviously, like Winnipeg, had its chance, and you know it took the Jets, it took Winnipeg, obviously a long time to get a team back. One thing Winnipeg has, guys, um, and and Gary Batman certainly reiterated this yesterday. There's no question they have one of the strongest ownership groups in the entire league, and it doesn't hurt that David Thompson, who's who who's a very quiet co-owner, like David Thompson, never does interviews. He's almost never in Winnipeg. He's based out of uh, Toronto, but David Thompson is like the richest man in yeah, Canada. He's, one he's of the loaded. Yeah. And now most people who are extremely wealthy, they don't get that way by making bad investments and bad decisions. And so a lot of people are like, well, why, you know, why would the Jets be in any danger? Um, They've got, you know, the richest man in Canada backing them. Well, I don't imagine he's, he's just going to keep pouring money into them. But the fact is that the valuation of the Jets franchise, I think Forbes now has them at 780 million they were purchased from Atlanta for 170 million, which when you look at the price now of, of expansion fees and all that, like that's an absolute steal of a deal back in 2011. Um, So the Jets franchise has never been worth more. They've got a deep pocketed owner. And the other thing that's really important to stress guys, they're not just a hockey team anymore. When they came in 2011, you know, true North, the, the, the organization that bought them with Mark Chipman and David Thompson, they were just about the hockey team in the decade or so now since they are so much more, they are a real estate company. They have purchased all kinds of land in downtown Winnipeg. They've built up what's called true North square hotels, a casino, um, a a shopping mall that they're now going to turn into a multi-purpose facility. So there is so much more invested in this community. And I think if you're Quebec city, I mean, you, you, you'd have to study, I guess, what True North has done and how they've really um, diversified the, the, their brand. And I think it's a pretty unique situation here in Winnipeg. And, you know, I think what was said yesterday by both Mark Chipman to our Ken Weeb and Gary Batman to the, the general public, um, I think was meant to calm some fears that, you know, clearly crept up last week. And look, I get it. There's a sense of PTSD in this community. Sure, of course, uh, of course. Right. Folks already lost the team once. Um, but I just think the circumstances are really night and day. Um, there's no, there's no, you know, immediacy or, or absolute urgency. There's concern, yes. Um, but I think the hope now is that the community responds the way I think they've, they've responded before. We certainly saw that in 2011. I think there's a hope that the community now, especially the corporate community, is going to respond in a positive way. Uh, And if the Jets can keep playing the way they're playing on the ice, that will absolutely help the cause here. Mike, this was great, man. Thanks for taking the time to do it. We really appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the week and the rest of the season. Should be a fun one in Winnipeg. Yeah, absolutely, guys. All the best. Thanks. Thanks. That's uh, Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, As a small addendum to that conversation, I should add, that yesterday in his media availabilities, Gary Bettman did say that once a nearby hotel that's currently under construction right next to the Jets arena is completed, the NHL is then going to focus on having Winnipeg 
hosting an NHL draft in the quote-unquote nearer term. That'll save him. That was Gary Bettman's quotes, not mine. Well, no, I think the idea was... something, right? Well, the idea was, like, not only... I'm going to put my money where my mouth is here. Not only do I think that this market is fine, dare I say robust in a great hockey market, we're going to reward it with a draft. We'll always remember when the 2028 draft saved the Winnipeg Jets. All right, Greg, you're such a pessimist. (laughs) Yeah, there's some people texting in like, I don't get what the big deal is. Like, what's 2,000 empty seats like when you've got a situation with Arizona? Well, don't compare it to Arizona because Arizona is a major problem, right? Compare it to the worst situation in the National Hockey League. Um, And, yeah, there are other areas that are, you know, teams in the NHL that are struggling with attendance. You know, you look at San Jose, watch a game in San Jose, I dare you. Um, there's a lot of empty seats. Same with Anaheim. The thing with those teams is they're bad and Winnipeg is a good team and have been for the most part last few seasons. You know, they certainly had their struggles when they arrived in Winnipeg from Atlanta, but there was still the excitement about hockey being back. Mm -hmm. Um, 2000 empty seats in the smallest building in the NHL outside of mullet arena is a big deal. Yeah, it's not good, right? And the owner said as much. Yeah, I don't. Here's no, a, nobody's pan, nobody's like in a in a like they're moving tomorrow situation. It's not the same as Arizona, but it's just kind of one of these things where you're like, oh wow, if if they're if they're putting this out there themselves, if the Jets themselves are coming out and saying, hey guys, like we got to do better and. A lot of that's on us. We got to become a better service organization. We'll send some players over to someone's house and I don't know, rough them up a bit and get them to. I, I don't know. There was no roughing up. There was a Mark there, Shifley dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, want to buy some tickets? Hired goons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be it would be a shame if you slipped on the ice outside after <laughs> and you didn't buy some tickets. Buy right? some gosh darn tickets. Yeah, but you guys. like, like this is not this is not like some investigative reporter as like uncovered some documents that the Jets are worried about financials. This is them putting it out there. Sure. I, hey, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I think uh, the Halford and Bruff show, me, Halford, him, Bruff, we're guilty of responding to every like mouth-breathing chair moistener who's like, this is not a story. And then we feel the need... Don't talk to, about your audience that way. To, exp- <laughs> ...to explain why it's a story. I think in this instance, it's not necessarily that avenue that we're taking but the other one is like this goes way beyond uh a hockey team and its season ticket base like we're talking about people in a very difficult economic climate Mm -hmm. making economic decisions where it's like groceries or hockey tickets some people have said that straight up and it's like look if the jets are like I'm going to make a case for hockey tickets. We have food here. Don't have cereal for dinner. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Um, In those kind of economic times, everybody is angling to get in your pocket and get your dollar because your dollar isn't being stretched as far and you have to make real difficult decisions sometimes about where you want to spend. The Jets weren't making that effort. The owner acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. It's like we were... At one point, a service-based, we were in a service-based industry, and we were providing crappy service across and, the And world. I relate it locally to, well, two teams, frankly. I think the Canucks got complacent. I agree. Um, and then they had to up their game when they started losing. And I think they did up their game from uh, 
customer service perspective from the food offerings that they had at Rogers Arena to um, just their in-game entertainment. And then the BC Lions. BC Lions are the The, the BC perfect, Lions are probably the best example. Perfect textbook example of what you can do when you put a real effort into making sure that your ticket-buying customers are mm-hmm. getting bang for their buck. Like You know what the BC Lions were guilty of for years? And this seemed to me like a cultural issue within the organization. The BC Lions were guilty of blaming everyone but themselves for the lack of attendance. They would get mad that people in Vancouver were bigger Seahawks fans than Lions fans. They would be salty to certain members of the media who weren't talking about them enough in a positive way. And you can't do that. You, 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 just, you just can't. You can't be defensive all the time. You have to offer something. And I think what they've done with the new ownership is being like, hey, we're going to hold ourselves accountable here, and that's what the Jets are trying to do, and we're just going to work really hard. And it's not going to be about a one-off concert here and there and it'll be like, Lulu, we brought in you know this concert, now you owe us, right? It's about working every day to make sure that your ticket buyers, your customers, your sponsors, everyone that does spend money with you and everyone that you want to spend money with you is feeling good about themselves. And that is way easier said than done. Okay, lots more to get to on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Final hour of the program coming up. We're going to talk to Brett Festerling. He, of course, is the Canucks color uh, analyst on Sportsnet 650. We'll talk to him about last night's game, 4-3 loss to Pittsburgh in overtime at Rogers Arena. 8.30, we're going to do What We Learns, and we're going to give away a $100 gift card to Bridge Brewing for the best What We Learned. Get them in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? If it's a good one, you'll win a $100 gift card to Bridge Brewing. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.